everyone, and welcome to the Exchange Forum podcast. It's Patricia Robinson here again with the TLX. And in this series, I've been having discussions with our faculty colleagues from across the college. And today I'm really happy to have with me Charlene Dunstan, and she's a coordinator and professor in the Social Service Worker Program in the School of Community Services and Health Sciences. So Charlene, thank you so much for joining me today. And can you begin by telling us a bit about your role at the college? Uh, hi, Patricia, and thank you for inviting me. Um, this is great that we have this sort of um, informal, formal way of connecting with each other. I love that we can reach across our programs and do this. So I, I thank you for inviting me to that. Um, my role in the college, as you said, is I am a professor in the social service worker program and have been for the last just over 10 years. Um, I'm also coordinator in the program and in that role of coordinator, uh, we sort of get to <laughs> get the privilege of helping students navigate uh, through the back end a little bit more of the administrative questions and provide administrative support to our particular program. So I'm juggling both of those roles right now, as well as um, I'm teaching a couple of sections of deconstructing internalized oppression and privilege this semester. So those are all the things that are on my plate right now. Amazing. That's a pretty big, um, pretty big job. And um, I feel like I should actually attend your classes as well. Um, <laughs> I think we all have a lot to learn about um, about that. So um, but I do have uh, one big question to ask you today, and it is in two parts. So I'll just begin. The big question is, what have you been learning since transitioning to fully online teaching? And so the first part of this question is, what have you been learning about yourself? Um, and I'll ask you the second part later. Um, what I've learned about myself is, when this first started, I had to really think about how am I going, how am I going to make this transition and what is it going to look like um, for my students? And in order to do that, the first thing I did was actually take a look, take a deep dive into thinking about how I learn and how I need to because of because of the transition we're making. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to learn a lot over a short amount of time. So how do I learn? Focusing on what I do well and the method that I would need to incorporate to be able to um, to do that, right? So we all know people. Some people are visual learners. Some people are auditory learners, but um, sometimes we don't we don't give ourselves consideration for that. And um, so, you know, you may go to a workshop and um, you're just you're not it's not impacting the way that you you need it to or you're not absorbing it the way that you need it to. Sometimes it's about well, stepping back and saying, well, I'm I'm a I'm a doer. I need to be able to sit down with that piece of software and look around on it. So while they're telling me about it, that might not be the place where it impacts, but it's when I'm doing it that I'll that I'll make the connections, right? So figuring out well where are the places that um, I'm going to be able to absorb that material best um, was a big thing for me, and also 
again, like I said, trying to focus on what I then do well, not trying to do what works for everybody else, but doing what legitimately works for me. Because you talk to your colleagues and you you hear all the great things that people are doing, or oh, I'm using this, or I'm doing this, and I'm incorporating that. And sometimes we look at that and say, how come I can't do that? I don't necessarily have to do that. Right? I can do I can do something else that I really do well. So it's not about um, replicating um, everything else out there that people are doing um, amazing, but finding the things that I do amazing. Mm -hmm. right. And I think I think that's a good point, too, because, you know, if we compare ourselves to others and and, you know, we can get overwhelmed by all the different things that people are doing, trying trying to be like them. Right. Yeah. Um, it can be really overwhelming. And and I like how you talked about, you know, you're really starting with looking at, you know, what are your strengths and then focusing on developing those further rather than, you know, maybe spending a ton of time trying to learn things that might be a struggle. Yep. Exactly. And I and my thing was also embracing the tech that I already use. So mm -hmm. um, I've been able to incorporate um, a couple of new things as well, but also doing that deep dive into tech that we already use, like PowerPoint. I know now that I was using a mere fraction of the capabilities of PowerPoint. But now I use, I narrate my PowerPoints. I use the voice to um, voice to text, the closed captioning that can be done directly into PowerPoint. I have used the animations and the transitions and all of that kind of great stuff. And I'm really embracing that much more. Um, so it's, it's not that we have to introduce all these new things, but maybe just do a deeper, uh, like I said, a deeper dive into the things that we already have access to and the things that we already feel comfortable in, but but learning it um, to its full capacity. Mm -hmm. Right. That sounds like a great idea. Um, and so what else what else have you learned about yourself, do you think? Um, I think that what I've learned about myself is that I really do um, the things about being a face-to-face -face is about those connections that you have with your colleagues. But the th when we're at school, they sometimes don't feel as purposeful, right? You you see someone in the hallway, so you say hi, and you see someone, and you know that you have those connections to them every day. But now, you know, as we all sit in our living rooms or our, you know, um, our home offices, um, it becomes much more important to make those connect per connections purposeful, right? And actually reach out to our colleagues and, and share knowledge, right? So there are, th like I said, there are things that other people are doing. We can reach out to each other and, um, and find out how's it going for you? What are you What are you doing in your classrooms? This is what I'm doing in my classrooms. Um, so having those conversations be much more purposeful and much more fulsome. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. So that's what I, so in, in seeing that, what I've no, learned about myself again is that I'm an amnivert. And I use the term amnivert, meaning I'm not fully an introvert and I'm not fully an extrovert. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
and 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 at my core and people would know me who know me would think how is that possible that i actually um feel more like i'm an introvert uh-huh. and, and i mean that in the way that traditionally we think about it as people who are either outgoing or people who are shyer but um for it's about where you get your energy mm-hmm. right where places that how are the places that you rejuvenate yourself and for me to be that extrovert to be that prof who is out there and engaging and pulling things from students and go and making those connections and being on right right to be on requires me also to have significance of time significant amounts of time where I can just sit down and reflect and just be in on myself, have a cup of tea and sit and um, enjoy my own company. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So when I can do that, it allows me to, to be that, um, that energy, have that energy. And that is so much more important for my students. So I found that in doing that piece of self-care and in embracing that introvert in me, it actually makes me a better professor. Because mm-hmm. I, it allows me to bring that energy to the class and sort of get over that hump of I may not have people with their their cameras on, or right. I may not have, you know, I may just be the interactions may be predominantly in the chat, but I'm going to bring that energy anyway, and right. being able to sort of massage that inner um, introvert allows me to to step it up a notch, step it up the notch that we need to. Right. Um, online. Right. I think, again, that's such an important point is that, I mean, it does take a, a, a whole different kind of energy to be teaching online than it does in the classroom. And, you know, when we're teaching in the class, we use our body language, we use gestures, we use, you know, other ways of communicating besides speaking, right? And mm-hmm. and we use that and, and there's this energy that's, you know, built amongst the students as well. Um, and it's so different online, right? It's so hard to generate that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense about how, you know, you're you're really kind of taking care of yourself first. And then that allows you to bring that energy to your students because yeah, many students don't have their cameras on or, you know, they're not able to participate in a way, you know, that, that feels right for them. Like they're participating in different ways than they would be in the classroom as well. Um, so yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I do have another question. It's as I said, it's the same question, <laughs> the big question. So the second part of my big question is: so how has what you've learned about yourself contributed to or impacted your teaching since thus transition to fully online? So you did mention a bit about you know the knowledge about yourself as an amnivert and the energy, but is there anything else um, that you would say about what you've learned and how it's impacted your teaching? Um I think that given the fast turnaround that we had to do to come online, um, what I learned um, and what I've, I've brought to this is that there are things that we have to let go, right? And it was, the, it was coming to this cognitive sort of leap that really made going online a little bit less um, anxiety provoking for me because at first our our team had just gone through um big huge program review and we 
re reformatted our whole program and we were really energized about it. This is years in the making that um, that we had been working on this and it was all supposed to roll out this year and then all of a sudden not so much right oh my gosh um it was yeah and it was heartbreaking <laughs> it was like what and we're like but but i had this Wait. thing and so <laughs> and um so we clung to it to a certain extent saying but how am i going to take this and put it online and how am i going to take this evaluation and make it and do it online and that cognitive shift that i that i'm talking about is when i finally when it finally snapped for me that do not take this course and squish it to online you need to make a new course right mm. And right. once I let go of that, right, once I stopped fighting to put that square peg into a round hole and keep taking that square <laughs> peg out and whittling off a little bit extra and trying to put it in that round hole and saying, not nah, still doesn't fit and whittling it off. I'm like, Charlene, can you just please go get a round peg? Can you stop? <laughs> right. And that's so much more time consuming, right? By just trying to make change the peg, right? Yes, it was so much and and this and it felt unsatisfying, right? It will never that peg, you might get it in, but it will never look as pretty. Right. Right. And and because all that work that you've done, right? All that work that you've done in this, you know, change like making those changes to the program after your program review, you know, it makes sense that, you know, you would that would be the go-to, right? To try to fit this amazing product that you've made, this new curriculum, and just trying to put it in. But yeah, as you're trying to change it and modify it for online, it's, you know, I'm sure very stress-producing. Yeah, it becomes this pale comparison, right? To what you really want it to be. And I'm like, well, then don't, why, why do that? You know, why not make something um, new and bright and shiny? Right. And I know that it seems like it feels like it would be a lot of work, but it it it's work to be sure. But it wasn't the same kind of work. And like I said, it didn't have the same kind of um, anxiety attached to it. Right. Right. And you already had, you know, you already had your outcomes. Um, you know, you had, you know, at the end of the course, these are the things that the students need to know, understand, be able to do right or to to apply or produce. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So like, for example, um, part of that letting go was saying, instead of looking at how am I going to put this assignment online or how am I going to do this particular um, activity online was to look at the actual outcome. So it's mm -hmm. not about replicating that assignment, but looking at how am I going to get at that outcome in this online format. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, one in my that same course that I'm telling you that I teach this this semester, uh, deconstructing internalized oppression. I, I always in that class, I consider the class the party and mm -hmm. then what happens in the hallway was the after party. So we would have great discussions in class and then, you know, I would have to run out of class because, you know, whatever class is coming in after us and they're kicking us out. And there was always 
this thing that would happen where I would end up sitting in the hallway on a bench outside the classroom with, you know, seven, 10 students, and we would continue the conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, uh, so one of the things that I said is how am I going to that is something that is really an added value to the course. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to be able to replicate that? How am I going to be able to do that in an online format? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, I wanted to capture that sort of um, salon, that sort of exchange of intellectual ideas that was happening um, in the, in the hallways, those aha moments and them struggling and trying to unpack that information. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I did was I've, um, I've brought, I brought that into the, into the online space by having discussion groups and having the discussion groups be small discussion groups, groups of five, not breakout rooms, but actual discussion groups that the students got a question every week, they would um, start a thread and they would reply to the question and reply back to each other and be able to have those conversations. And I would be able to come in, um, give them some feedback, have that interaction still um, occur in that online space and have that still fulfill the um, the learning outcomes that I want to, that I want to have happen. So it's not that it's something that I would have never have even thought about introducing um, in any kind of formal way to the classroom, but in thinking about maximizing the online space that that has now been opened up to me. And instead of um, that salon happening to the few seven, 10 students who had time after class to stick around this Mm -hmm. is actually something now that i've been able to incorporate and bring to all the students right so um that kernel that thing that i was going to miss the most about face-to-face one of the things that i was going to miss the most i don't have to miss it anymore right that's amazing because and also like you said like it's not you know our students have lives outside of school, right? So probably you had a lot more than those seven or 10 who wanted to stay after and talk about these ideas and, and you know, share what they've discovered or, or what it represents for them in their own lives. And, you know, people have jobs to go to or kids to take care of or whatever, right? But yeah, it, by by creating that space, that sort of learning space in your online environment, everyone can participate regardless of, where they are, what time it is. And um, so that's amazing. So you're providing that opportunity for everyone to participate in this salon or, you know, after party, after the, <laughs> the, the content of the course is, is taught. Yep. Yeah, it's like, and and like I said, I use after party because it's always like, you know, you have the party and then you have the people who stay after the party to help clean the kitchen. (laughs) And those are, and those are the conversations that are the best, right? Everybody gets really deep, right? They get really deep into the discussion. (laughs) Exactly. So that's where, you know, that's what I really wanted to, to capture. And the response from the students has been really, really great about that. So even in, um, the after times, I know we talk about the before times, but in the after times, when we come out on the other side of that, that's probably something that I'm going to keep even um, in some way, shape or form, even when we go back to face-to-face teaching. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And so, and I want to ask ask you just a little bit. So the discussion group. So you mentioned they. So they're not breakout groups. You have these set like set group space within Blackboard for the discussion, and then the students are in groups of five, mm -hmm. and then they have time to kind of just with their small group, right? Just to sort of break down the ideas of what they're learning, talk about them, answer the questions that you pose. Um, and then they sh do they share back with the larger group after? They so they don't actually share back with well the share back in the uh, in with the larger group is something that happens um, in the like in the course of the lecture class for Got that it. week. So the thing about the breakout rooms is that happens in real time immediately. Okay, but well. I will say put up the discussion question in the small groups um, on the Monday. And okay. students will have until the Thursday to um, to create their response. And it's only after they create their response, then do, then do they get to see everybody else's responses? Okay, right? okay. So I That's want them great. to be. I want their opinion and their analysis of it to happen in just based on no no pressure, no oh what did someone else say? I should echo Got that. It. It's their pure kind of. Um, response or reaction and oftentimes the questions are just the reflection questions right they're not they're not um you know this is right this is wrong but it's a reflection right. of of their own social location in the space that they they move in in the world right. um, so it's about being able to have that be able to speak your truth Mm -hmm. in a in a non-judgmental kind of way and then be able to have a conversation about it with your peers. I mm -hmm. know that a lot of people will open a big discussion board mm -hmm. um, that's open to the whole class, but I feel right. like those it sometimes that intimacy that we know that small group conversations yield a kind of different thing. That's right. right? That's right. And people are more willing to take kind of mo more willing, like in general, most people are more willing to open up uh, be a bit more vulnerable in the smaller group setting as well. Exactly, exactly. And because this is a group that follows them throughout um, the course, because students aren't getting that kind of um, interaction with each other, this is another way for them to um, create community, if you will, mm -hmm. and be able to really um, see see people outside of outside of their the small the small interactions that they may have just in the chat right right and and it allows me to again pop in give them comments give them feedback um in very small mm -hmm. bite-sized kinds of ways that for me as well feel much more manageable right right and you can probably get to know your individual students much better this way than if you're just dealing with them as one large group yes. of students. Yes, right. exactly. So that's one of the gifts of Blackboard. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And I, I like how you, you know, you're, you're thinking about how you're going to bring this back into your face-to-face -face class as well. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's such a great way to look at this, right? So, so yes, we are stuck in this pandemic right now and we are constrained in certain things we can do but also it's an opportunity to to try something new and and you know take that learning back with us in the classroom right and, and hopefully make the best of both worlds when we're back um, face to face mm -hmm. um, so just before we end the podcast um, I, I have another little question not part of the big question <laughs> um, 
but so do you have any tips that you could share for how you are staying positive or maintaining a positive outlook um, as we're continuing this, um, you know, work from home, teaching online situation? I think the one tip that I would give, and I think I've sort of echoed this throughout the podcast, is um, like just give yourself a break, <laughs> you know, <laughs> really like be more gentle to ourselves. We're going to make missteps, you know, for a lot of our programs, we are not online programs. We are programs who have had to go online. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not going to be perfect and it's really going to be bumpy and the technology is going to be wonky and, you know, we're going to press, you know, leave instead of open up the classroom and that, <laughs> those kinds of things are going to happen, you know, blackboards going to go down in the middle of your course. And you got to come back and go, okay, so that happened. Right. And just be, we have to be much more gentle and much more um, kind to ourselves in this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of staying positive is knowing that we're not going to break the industry with right. that one little, you know, misstep or the thing that didn't, um, we tried something online and it didn't go over as well as, as we thought. Right. right? It's not going to, it's not like the industry is going to. Um, suffer from that. And sometimes I think that because we are, we are professors and we are faculty because we really um, embrace the learning and want to pass on that knowledge. But mm -hmm. just because it's not pristine doesn't mean it's not good. Right, right. Okay? So we need to give ourselves that, that little, that little piece of um, room and, and pat ourselves on the back. Mm -hmm. Right. Every day that we show up and we do the best we can, that is a good day. Nice. <laughs> I I really I really appreciate that sentiment. And um, thank you so much, Charlene, for joining me today. And I really appreciate it. And this has been a lot of fun talking to you. And um, hopefully we can go out for a coffee um, or a walk in the neighborhood when this is all over. I, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to come find you <laughs> and not the hallways. That's <laughs> I'm gonna right. Come, I'm going to come find you in an authentic, meaningful way. Nice. That will be so great. Thank you so much, Charlene. Thank you, Patty.